Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Closet Champion Podcast. I am your host, the reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. We are now more than a week removed from probably the most unique WrestleMania that anybody has ever experienced. And now that I've had some time to digest what's happened, I will discuss my thoughts on how the companies are handling performing in front of no crowd. Also, I am going to be giving the results of the first round of the Best Wrestling Theme Song Tournament. And if you don't know what that is, or you haven't voted, it's probably because you are not following my Facebook page at Closet Champ. I set the links out there, and over the last few days, people have voted on the first round of what they think are some of the best wrestling theme songs. We're going to give the results, and then we'll be ready for round two. Uh, But before we get to the results, I do want to uh, talk about this no live audience thing, because this really is uh, something that we've never experienced before. We're really in uncharted territory. Um, but I think what this has really shown everybody is that a live audience is so important, uh, for the overall product. It's just, it's always going to be better, you know, in front of a live audience. Now we used to complain about crowds that were dead, you know, and how it affected the wrestlers. Now imagine not only is the crowd not really that into it, there's no crowd at all. You know, that's going to make for a big difference. Uh, so I think that they've done a pretty good job with what they've had to work with. And I'm glad that they're still putting out content. Uh, hopefully they can keep doing that throughout this entire process. I would rather take a performance center show or an empty arena show over no show at all. That's just me. Uh, so, but there's a few things that you've definitely noticed, at least that I've noticed, um, that little things that they've had to change now that they're not doing this in front of people. Uh, the first one that I've noticed, for instance, is I've noticed a lot more rest holds in matches. And I think that's because, you know, a rest hold is what it is. But instead of doing a rest hold, rest hold another way to buy some time for you and, you know, the, your person you're working with is to play to the crowd, you know, pump them up if you're a fan, if you're a face or, you know, like kind of like smack talk the wrestler or the audience if you're a heel and that's a great way of buying some time for everybody without just sitting there in you know a a chin lock well now that you don't have an audience to play to you kind of have to do that because it looks kind of stupid if you're you know talking to nobody or trying to fire up nobody as several wrestlers have done some for the sake of humor others for the sake of just being an autopilot uh but that's one thing that i've definitely noticed has changed uh, the other thing that I've really picked up on is I feel like a lot of the shots have been a lot stiffer than they normally are. And again, I think they have to be because you've got to make up for crowd noise. If you don't connect at all on you know a move, we're going to hear it we're, or we're going to hear the absence of it. And it's going to you know sound a little alarm off in our brain. And as soon as that alarm goes off, you know, you've lost your audience. You're out of it. You're not just deeply invested. Like you want people to be, that's how people react to the storyline. So I feel like the shots have gotten a little bit stiffer lately and that's okay. You know, some of those people could probably use a punch in the face for real. (laughs) Um, one thing that I, they've been doing and they did really well at WrestleMania. And I would like to see more of is highly produced segments, almost not overly produced, but highly produced segments. And they don't have to be like a full on movie type thing. Like the, uh, Boneyard match or the Firefly Funhouse match, but I say you know take advantage of the time that you have and the fact that you're not live. You can do so much in post. Why not do it? They're doing it a bit already in regular matches. Uh, they're playing with you know camera angles and doing some editing, but I want to see even more of that. Uh, there actually was a spot they they edited this spot in the Baron Corbin Elias match at WrestleMania that didn't exactly look the best, but I think it was still effective. It's you know you could tell it, it was a 
a, a cut and there's no way Elias really would have uh, taken that fall. But, you know, screw it. Why not? It's fun. It's wrestling. It's, you know, we're supposed to suspend our imaginations a little bit. So I say do those really highly produced segments, you know, do multiple takes of something. If you don't like the way it turns out, cut it and edit it. Like, I think that's totally fine. You're not going to take the audience out of it. There's no audience. Uh, but one thing that they're still doing that I really think they need to do less of, I think it's hurting them, is in-ring promos. You know, with no audience around, it's just like with the rest hold thing. You know, you're not going to smack talk the audience or try to pump up the audience when there is none. If there is no audience, who are you talking to? Why are you doing this in the ring? I, it's totally unnecessary. I would rather see more backstage interviews or vignettes to advance the storylines. Um, you know, unless the promo is going to end in a physical altercation where you need to use the ropes or someone, you know, does a dive or something like that, uh, then yeah, obviously have it in the ring just for the sake of being able to do the moves. But if all you're doing is cutting a promo or smack talking each other, that could be done backstage. You can have someone run into someone in the parking lot. You can do, there's a million things you can do. Uh, and it just seems now is the time to experiment, you know, especially because there are no other sports going on. There's a lot of other things that aren't happening because of this. And I feel like WWE has such, and AEW, all wrestling, has such a unique opportunity to cash in uh, on people's kind of wandering eyes. And I think to grab a really casual fan, if you have these more realistic settings and produce, you know, highly produced matches, I think you're going to catch some people's eyes that aren't already on the product and i think that is really what they should be doing during this time uh, because i you, you hope and they seem to be saving a lot of their huge moments for back when they're in front of an audience because they understand the value of that live audience um, but like i said this is uncharted territory no one's ever done it before i think they're doing a pretty good job and it, it hasn't lost me you know it was jarring at first it was difficult to adjust but now that i have adjusted i've I, I still enjoy the product and I'm still watching all the time. Plus, I don't have anything else to do, so I gotta watch it, right? We're all stuck at home. Uh, so, a few notes on storylines that are happening. I'm not gonna do a WrestleMania breakdown. I will say I went 10 for 16 on my picks, and that's not that great, really. Um, I Shame on me, really. Shame on me for doubting Drew McIntyre. Good for you, Drew. Um, but just a few notes on some things that are happening. Uh, I'll do a full state of wrestling on my next podcast. But for this one, I just want to talk about one, Braun Strowman as world champion. Um, a lot of people hated that move. Uh, they say now that because that happened, the loss that The Fiend took to Goldberg was completely meaningless. Um, since the original plan was to have Roman take the strap off Goldberg, that's not happening now. Now it makes Goldberg, you know, The Fiend's loss even worse because Goldberg didn't even get one defense and he dropped it to a guy that just got put in there out of nowhere. I understand that. Um, it's a fair point. But my counter to that point is, to me, literally anybody else is better as champion than Goldberg. And it's not me hating Goldberg. It's Goldberg's old. He's a part-timer. We're dealing with these really weird set of circumstances right now. I think one thing that the champ is going to have to do during this time is uh, really put in some time and really be there to be, you know, doing promos and segments and having a, a couple of random matches to keep people interested until, you know, they can start performing in front of people again. And Goldberg doesn't want to be that person. So screw it. Let it be Braun and have Roman take the title off Braun. I don't think it's really that different or, or that hurtful uh, to anybody in that situation. Um, so that's 
my point to that. Um, you know, this ends with Roman holding the belt, period. So however we get there, to me, doesn't really matter. And if, you know, this seems like a perfect time, honestly, to have Braun hold the title. There's no expectations. See what he can do. Give him a little taste. Give him a sniff. And now he's a legitimate threat again in the main event scene, which I, on my own show, I admit I was wrong. I said it's going to take a long time to get him to a point of believability as a main eventer again because he's been doing so many comedic things. But now, bam, you just throw the title on him. It is out of left field. It made a lot of people go, what the hell? But now you've got a legitimate threat at the top of the card again to battle with Reigns for a while. And you can bring Goldberg back to face Roman, you know, and and Roman will beat him then. So I don't think anything's lost in that. Um, another thing I want to talk about, something that's been happening outside of the TV and on the wonderful little Twitter universe out there, Ronda Rousey is supposed to be coming back or supposedly coming back uh, sometime soon. She's been talking a lot of shit on social media, mainly Twitter. Um, I think it's totally intentional. I think it is a total work. Uh, she's going to come back as a heel and she's going to be white hot. And I think her, actually, you want to talk about things that benefit, I think Ronda Rousey coming back to an empty arena would actually be a good move. And here's why. A lot of wrestling fans are casual, you know, fans of wrestling. They watch wrestling, but they're not necessarily going out and following everybody's Twitter. They're not following Ronda Rousey on social media. So if Ronda Rousey is going to come back to a full audience, her return is probably going to be a mix of boos and cheers. And if they want Rhonda to get white hot heat if she's going to be the top heel you know in the company for the next several months or year however long she's back for uh, I think her doing a, a heel turn in this way during this time is perfect so that way when we are back in front of arenas and stadiums she's going to be coming out to a roar of booze because everyone will have had time to understand that she is not now a heel you know the people that weren't following her on twitter aren't going to know that so now we can do this and save that big that first reaction to ronda coming out in front of an audience and it could be just a sea of booze because she has really done some shit talking and saying that you know like wrestling's pretty much you know saying that wrestling's fake or just that it's you're not a really a tough guy not saying wrestling's not tough but you're not a tough guy um find her on twitter it's i don't have you know the tweets in front of me right now and i don't want to paraphrase but she went in pretty damn hard and i think it's it's all a work to have her come back as a heel and i think they're doing a good job with it maybe too good of a job it seems a little too obvious now but it why not you know it's fun uh, another thing really quickly that I want to talk about is uh, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, this new tag team that's come out. Um, they had a match on Raw. They looked really good. It wasn't quite a squash match, but you know they, they owned. They got to do all their high spots. They got to show what they can do as two incredibly athletic, high-flying guys. And I really like them as a team, but due to their size and their ability to have a good match with anybody and get anybody over... I'm really afraid that this is going to be another team that will suffer the fate of so many tag teams that came before them. They're going to have a quick, impressive rise to the top. They're going to grab the belts for and hold them for a very short period of time. They're going to drop them in a pretty unceremonious way, lose their rematch, which they don't even have to anymore. They don't even do that as part of the storyline, so they don't even at least get a rematch, uh, rematch match. Um, but the problem is, they're too good and they're going to be relegated to glorified enhancement talent just like 
the B team, just like, you know, the Ascension. I don't think the Ascension ever held the title, but they're going to get that quick push and then they're going to be dropped. And it sucks because I think they're very, very capable and talented performers, not just of doing, you know, the flippy spot monkey shit, but also putting on a good match and telling a good story. You know, anybody that watched Ricochet in NXT or especially as uh, Prince Puma in Lucha Underground, like the, the dude can tell can do a good job of telling a story in the match it's not just all high spots uh and cedric alexander the same way i think his run as cruiserweight champion he had some really really great matches in that stretch and proved that he can work and i think it's just going to be one of those things i don't think they're going to be quite as jobber level as lucha house party but i don't think they're going to be that far off i think if they were both in a gauntlet match they would beat lucha house party and then immediately lose to whoever came out next that's kind of where i see them and i think that's a bummer i think it's a waste of talent one final thing uh, on the Raw SmackDown side of things is uh, poor Deanna Perrazzo. Uh <laughs> Nia Jax came back. Nia Jax is a beast. She was going to destroy whoever they threw her in with, and it happened to be Deanna Perrazzo, who I think is one of the best talents on NXT, uh, male or female. I think she's incredible. I love her virtuosa um, gimmick, if you can call it that. It's really just like a way of presenting herself more so, I think, than a gimmick. But she's really, really talented. And to for people that don't watch NXT, this is their first time seeing her and she gets mutilated by Nia Jax. And I'm great, very happy, and I'm excited that Nia Jax is back. I just wish she could have destroyed somebody else uh, instead of Deanna Perrazzo. But stay on the lookout for Deanna Perrazzo, either in squash matches like this or hopefully in some really good matches coming up in NXT. And speaking of NXT, uh, the Gargano-Champa match was really, really good. Um, it had an amazing beginning and an amazing ending. And the first segment, uh, before they went to the first commercial break, is what I was kind of talking about with the more cinematic approaches and that movie magic feel. You know, it had background music that set the tone. I thought that helped a lot. Um, and I think that the match was shot in that way and the whole thing, I think they benefited from it because they, they ate, that was the entire first hour was that match. And I do think it could have benefited from a little bit of editing, maybe about 10, eight to 10 minutes or so of editing. But for the most part, it was a very well told story. And I think the added, um, not, not bells and whistles, but Again, the stuff that made it feel like more of a movie, it just helped tell a better story to me. I think that's point in case. They did a great job. Uh, they'll always do a great job, but you know, hats off to them. I thought it was really well done. Uh, the other big thing from NXT was the uh, women's ladder match. I didn't really care who won this, to be honest with you. Uh, these are not some of my favorite people from NXT. I do like Tegan Knox a lot. I've gained a lot of respect for her. Um, and Io Shirai, of course, is great, and she was the favorite coming in, and it's not a huge surprise that she won. But I think it did bring up something kind of interesting. You know, Charlotte is clearly, like, a heel, and people are starting to root for Io Shirai, but Io Shirai is still a heel, too. And what I'm afraid of is because people are starting to root for Io Shirai, her match with Charlotte, she's going to have to play it as a total babyface. And I think that's a really bad idea for her character. People like the darkness of her. Like, this is not Io Shirai's first time, you know, around. Like, she was a babyface and nobody cared. Uh, she had a great, uh, well, she 
had a good match with Tony Storm at the Evolu- Women's Evolution, and no one really remembered. I remember bringing that match up later with some of my friends. They're like, "Who? Oh, and I'm like, yeah, she's funny. Oh yeah, her. Like just a, kind of another one of the new faces that they brought in." But now she comes back and she's got this edge and this attitude and she's fucking cool, dude. Like Io Shirai is awesome, but she's also dangerous and scary. And I think that's a major part of the appeal. So if you try to turn her immediately as a baby face uh, and wrestle that style of match against Charlotte, I don't think you're going to have a great match. Um, I think if they can keep her as is, really let her stay a, a tweener and do some dirty things, do some sort of things where you go, man, that's messed up. Uh, I think her and Charlotte are going to have a great match uh, because Charlotte can play to that too because she is that damn good. Uh, so I think if they allow EO to kind of keep walking this line, they're going to be great. But I'm afraid that they're going to turn her into straight white meat baby face again. And uh, it's just going to be a boring match. Uh, so that's what I'm afraid of. That's what I'm keeping my eye on. I, I I think they'll do it right. I, I don't think they're going to botch this, but you, you never know. So I just wanted to bring that up. Switching gears a little bit to AEW, um, just one thing I want to talk about, but I've got a, a strong opinion on it. Um, I love that AEW is introducing a secondary singles title, but at the same time, I absolutely hate the name, the TNT Championship, it's being called. And I dread the look of this belt even more. I have a very, like, I just imagine it being, like, the TNT logo, like, in gold on a belt. And that, oh, oh, please don't do that. Um, but, I mean, this is not a new concept. You know, they've had the television title in in ECW and WCW and every pre- pretty much uh, company ever has had that has a TV deal has a TV champion. So that's not a new thing. Um, I'm just, I don't like the name. I think it's, it's like when, you know, this, the stadium's named after a sponsor. It's like, really? Come on. Takes all the, the personality out of it, I think. Uh, but nonetheless, we do get a great tournament to crown our very first TNT champion. And I think that this bracket is fantastic. Uh, if you take a look at it at first glance, you have the very obvious path of Lance Archer versus Cody. They're teasing that already. And if they want to go on that route, I'm not upset. However, I think there are so many stories that you can tell with the people in this bracket and where they're positioned. Uh, Cody, if you're, you know, this is already aired. Spoiler alert, skip ahead 20 seconds if you don't want to hear something. But we already know that Cody has advanced past Sean Spears. We know he's in the semifinal. Uh, and if we're taking the easy route, we can have Sammy Guevara beat Darby Allen. So Cody has another heel to face in the semifinals, and he's already got history with the inner circle. And it's a rematch of the first match to ever happen on AEW TV. It was Sammy Guevara and Cody. And while Darby Allen is on the verge of breaking through to the main event, he's not there yet. So Sammy winning isn't really going to crush the Darby Allen character. But if they wanted to go a different route, and this is the route that I would go personally, they could use this opportunity to make a true star out of Darby Allen. He's already beaten Sammy Guevara once, so there's no reason that he can't do it again. Once he's in the semifinals, he's going to have a great match with Cody, and here's where I, what I think is going to happen and where I want to see this go. He's having a great match with Cody Rhodes. They're back and forth. It looks like maybe Cody's going to get the better of him. Maybe he's you know, setting up for the crossroads or something. And then... Out comes Jake Roberts, and he interferes, and not Lance Archer. That's very important. Um, It has to be Jake Roberts because he's not going to physically get involved. He's just going to distract Cody, and he's going to allow uh, Darby Allen to 
get a, a quick roll up or something, get the victory and get into the finals. This gets Cody out of the uh, tournament. And because a lot of people are going to say, oh, you know, he's the main guy of the company. So, you know, he's just going to win the title. He's just going to put it on himself, even though he fucking deserves it. But regardless of what you think about Cody as a wrestler, um, this gets him out of the tournament while still um, kind of, you know, protecting his reputation. And it also is going to further the storyline that he has with Lance Archer. That's not just going to go away. But my point is, I don't think they have to make that feud happen through this tournament. It can happen after, and I think it's going to happen after. So I'm predicting that Darby Allen gets past Cody Rhodes and gets to the finals. On the other side of the bracket, you've got Kip Saban, who I really enjoy, versus Dustin Rhodes. I think this is going to be a match for Dustin Rhodes because the fa- the final match is Lance Archer versus Colt Cabana. And while I love Colt Cabana and he's been around for a long time, I, there's, I don't think any way you have Lance Archer lose his first real competitive match in AEW that would be really really stupid so let's assume that Lance Archer wins and Dustin Rhodes wins in the other semifinal in that semifinal I think it is going to be borderline uncomfortable to watch I think Lance Archer is going to destroy Dustin Rhodes and beat the ever-loving shit out of him. He's going to be bloodied. He's going to be mutilated. He's going to have welts all over his body. It's going to be painful to watch. It's going to be awkward. Um, and I think they should really try to go as far as they can conceivably go because dun, 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 he's going to beat Dustin and continue beating him and, and Cody will come out, you know, to defend his brother and maybe we'll get a little tussle that way. Maybe Archer will leave the ring to, you know, keep doing that pull away, you know, don't don't let us actually see them fight yet. So Lance Archer is in the final against Darby Allen. And now you've got this incredible David versus Goliath match and Darby Allen. Can Darby Allen come over? And everyone wants to see Darby Allen do it. He's he's done a great job of fighting and clawing his way there. Lance Archer is an asshole and is just destroying everybody. Who wouldn't root for Darby Allen in this match? Well Lance Archer's going to dominate this match, and Darby Allen's going to give it a hell of a run. He's going to get some offensive flurries in there, but for the most part, this is going to be like 95% Lance Archer. He's going to be beating Darby Allen from pillar to post, and I'm predicting even, I'm going to go on record, I think there's going to be one of those spots where he's like, he's got him beat like two minutes into the match, and he goes for the pin, but he pulls him up. I'm waiting for the two-count pull-up from Lance Archer. If he doesn't do it, I'm honestly going to be a little disappointed. Uh, but he's going to just continue pounding on Darby Allen, And then when he finally decides he's had enough and he's going to put Darby out of his misery, and we're going to see Lance Archer as the first TNT champion, out comes Cody Rhodes. And now he's out to fuck over Lance Archer the same way Jake Roberts fucked him over, and the same way he's going to destroy him for what Lance Archer did to his brother. Cody Rhodes somehow gets involved. We see another quick, out-of-nowhere uh, roll up for the victory and Darby Allen is your first TNT champion. That's my prediction. I really want to see it come true, not just because that is a great storyline, but it also spins off and now you've got Cody Rhodes and Lance Archer able to have their feud while freeing up the title to be used as a prop for other feuds and future feuds and getting other people over. I think Darby Allen is the perfect person to put it on first because you know he can work with someone his own size and do like a crazy, you know, 100 mile an hour match. Or he can put on matches with gigantic guys and and be, you know, this huge underdog that finds a way to overcome and get over. But I think this is a, you know, people say either the belt makes, the title makes 
the man or the man makes the title. And there's two different schools of thought on that. But I think this is a rare instance where if you put it on Darby Allen now as the first champ and let him go on a run of just incredible matches. He doesn't even have to have a bunch of uh, storyline built up to it. He can just have incredible matches. If you do that, you are having a rare instance where both the man and the title are helping make each other and they're going to help get each other both over. That way, when he finally does drop it to whoever, he can have a legitimate run at, a, at the main at the AEW title, and it won't be seen as a joke, or he won't be seen as this gigantic underdog because he just did a, a hell of a run with the TNT Championship. And that's what your secondary belt should be doing anyway. It should be making guys look believable for when they go to challenge for the title, whether they're successful or not. But to me, that's how you use the secondary title. So I'd love to see that play out. I'm excited about this tournament. Uh, I love that they're drawing it out because they... <laughs> don't have to rush stuff there's no live audience so give us one match a week i'm locked in i'm ready to go if they don't go that route if they go straight up cody rhodes and lance archer i'll be fine with that too because we get to see that but uh, i think this is going to be used to get a lot of people over not just two people over i hope that's the case anyway um also one final note on aew uh when he is done wrestling chris jericho better become a commentator because that dude is so funny i can't stand it all right so now, let's get to what I've been waiting for, and probably some of you that are listening have been waiting for. That's what's happened in, in wrestling, what's happening in our little world. That is the best theme song tournament that is currently underway. Round one just concluded. Uh, I'm truly excited and humbled by the response that I got for round one of voting. It was way more people than I had anticipated. And I want to thank all of you who voted. And I am especially grateful to those of you who have been helping get the word out to other people by you know sharing the post, by just you know tagging people, getting them involved. Um, I know for a fact that I don't know everybody that voted. People voted because it was just past them, and that is so cool. Um, I want to give you guys a shout-out, but I don't want to insult anybody by forgetting them. Uh, but you know who you are, and you're all awesome people. I will buy you a drink when we're allowed to be near each other again. <laughs> or a sandwich if you don't drink. Drink or a sandwich. Um, but uh, one weird thing that happened is this surge of responses has unveiled an unexpected consequence. Uh, unfortunately, I found out uh, that through SurveyMonkey's basic free plan, which is what I'm using, I can only see the responses of the first 40 people who take the survey. And uh, part one of round one, because there was four links, that first link, uh, the rocks bracket, actually received 43 votes. And I cannot see the final three votes of uh, that uh, quadrant um, without essentially paying $100 <laughs> a month to look at those, and that's just not my budget right now. Uh, fortunately, none of the matchups in part one were within three votes, so we dodged a bullet in that regard. But just so that doesn't happen again, I am going to close the polls after a certain amount of time has passed, or once I've received 40 votes, uh, just so this doesn't happen again. All right, so anyway, let's get to it. Here are the results of the first round in the rock bracket. Uh, number one seed, The Rock, defeated Lex Luger 39-1. to This was the biggest blowout by far the first round. Number nine, Brock Lesnar, uh, got 23 votes, defeating Becky Lynch, who got 17 votes. New Age Outlaws got 33 to defeat Diamond Dallas Page, who only got seven. Uh, in the first big upset, The Hardy Boys defeated Sting by a vote of 27-13. to Undertaker defeated Razor Ramon 38-2. to Hulk Hogan's Real American defeated Rob Van Dam 27 to 13. 
Another small upset, the number 10 ranked Undisputed Era defeated number 7 Evolution, 24 to 16. And number 2, John Cena defeated number 15 Ken Shamrock, 33 to 7. So pretty much chalk, but a few little upsets there. Hardy Boys and Undisputed Era uh, pulling out the upset. Good for them. Uh, in the Stone Cold Steve Austin bracket, Steve Austin defeated Goldust 30-4. to uh, The New Day and Goldberg actually tied at 17 votes apiece, and I brought in some outside help to determine the tiebreaker, and the tiebreaker went to Goldberg, so Goldberg advances. CM Punk defeated Dusty Rhodes 27-7. Hollywood Hogan defeated Naomi 22-12. Triple H got 27 votes, defeating Cody Rhodes, who got 7. Number six, the glorious Bobby Roode got 20 votes, defeating Sami Zayn, who got 14. Uh, number 10, Kurt Angle got 25 votes, defeating the seven seed, Ted DiBiase, who only got nine. That's two number 10s. Number 10's a good spot to be in. Uh, and number two, Shawn Michaels, 29, defeated his own tag team, the Rockers, only got four. 29 to four was the la uh, number for that last one. In the NWO bracket, number one seed NWO beat Dolph Ziggler 23 to 9. That was actually the closest uh, 1 versus 16 spot. Dolph had a good showing there. Uh, number eight, Harlem Heat narrowly defeated the Ultimate Warrior by a vote of 17 to 15. This thing, literally right until the end, I kept checking the results, was like Harlem Heat would get a vote, Warrior would get a vote. Harlem Heat would get a vote, Warrior would get two votes. Then Harlem Heat gets two votes. It was They were within one vote of each other the whole way. Uh, number four, Chris Jericho, Break the Walls Down, defeated Too Cool by a 29-3 vote. That was pretty one-sided. DX got 26 votes. NWO Wolfpack only got six. Ric Flair defeated Mark Henry, 19-13. Kevin Owens uh, pulled an upset from the number 11 spot. He defeated the Sandman in another extremely close vote, 17-15. That one was as well. Uh, Edge defeated Mick Foley 22 to 10, and Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Raven 23 to 9. In the final bracket, when I'm calling the McMahon bracket, they're well represented in this. Uh, number one, Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon, uh, defeated the Big Boss Man 28 to 5. I'm honestly glad Big Boss Man got five votes. I didn't think he was going to get any, so that made me happy. Uh, number nine, Finn Balor defeated uh, Chris Jericho's other entry on this list with, of Judah, uh, Judas. 20 to 13. Uh, the Brood defeated Baron Corbin, 22 to 11. Bret Hart defeated the Four Horsemen, 27 to 6. Macho Man Randy Savage defeated Marty Skrull, 22 to 11. It was a valiant effort by Marty, but just rough draw. Uh, number six ranked uh, Seth Rollins defeated number 11 Val Venus by a vote of 20 to 13. Shane McMahon defeated Mr. Perfect 22 to 11. And finally, the number two seed Randy Orton defeated Ty Dillinger by a vote of 30 to 3. So that's it for round one. Thank you again to everybody who voted. I will be putting uh, the links and the updated bracket up tomorrow, and voting will go for two days. Uh, until then, thank you all for listening. I'm your reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion, Mike Mueller, and I'm going to take the count out loss and get out of here with my belt. Good night, everybody.